minister from a very long time ago wrote an illustration that just really speaks uh, to what I think we need to understand as we think about grace this morning. He, as he wrote the illustration, he talked about the fact he was, that he had heard about a sea, the sea of God's grace and God's mercy. He wanted to explore the, the depths of it, the width of it, the, the magnificence of it. And so he set, he set four magnificent sailing ships abroad, and they went out with sails full, one north, one south, one east, and one west. And for 10,000 years they sailed the sea, looking, seeking to find the end, the shore, of the end of God's grace and mercy that would be there. They came to the harbor of heaven, and he cried from the shore, Have you found the shore? Have you found the shore in the Captains of the ships all said, there is no shore. We haven't found the shore of God's grace. Ten, then 10,000 angels were sent out. They flew as fast as they could for a million years across the sea, trying to find the shore. But as they came back to heaven and bowed before the throne and asked the question, have you found the shore? They too cried out, there is no shore. There is no shore to God's grace and God's mercy. I don't know how to talk to you about grace. It's something that we all hear about so often that we take it for granted. It doesn't mean very much to us anymore. We all assume that we deserve it, that it's our right to be, have God's forgiveness and grace. We, we, we sing the songs, we do the things, we go through the motions, and we never let grace overwhelm us. And I'm ashamed of that. I can't believe that we look at what God did for us in Jesus Christ and are not simply overwhelmed every day of our life that God could love us the way that he's loved us in Jesus Christ and the things that he's done for us and the grace and the mercy that he's bestowed upon us. I, I, I fear that we'll go through this service as we do of the others and we'll all walk out of here and that we'll be no different. We'll think no less of grace, no more of grace. It'll just be another word that's been spoken about grace and it'll mean nothing to any of us. But I can't do anything about that except say, hear the word of God as we read in Ephesians chapter 2 in verses 8, 9, and 10 and just pray that the Spirit of God somehow will overcome our reluctance to rejoice, our refusal to be overwhelmed and just somehow so saturate us with love that we cannot even begin to fathom how great is the mercy and the grace of our God as we look at it. See, God so loved you and me, all sinners, that he gave his only son for us. And he so loves his son that he will not let anyone in heaven who does not accept what Christ did on the cross for them. Who reject Christ, there's no hope whatsoever. But there's grace for those who accept what he has. Stand with me as we honor the reading of this word. Words that you've heard over and over and over again. But my prayer is that you'll open up your heart and your mind and you'll ask the Spirit of God to give you the mind of a little child that's never heard the most wonderful story in all the world for the very first time and be amazed at what God has done. Beginning in verse 8, the scripture says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think about grace, I confess that I don't have the words to, to even begin to fathom how deep it is and how wonderful it is, the amazing work of God through Jesus Christ. It's beyond any description that I have available to me. But God, I pray that somehow, because you 
our God and because it is your grace and because your spirit dwells within those of us who know you and, and your spirit is here to speak to and, and try to reach into the heart of those who have not yet trusted Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior that your grace would prevail in this time and that we would understand what you've done and, and how you've worked in our lives through Jesus Christ and, and this great gift that you've given us. Father, help us to understand that and to grab hold of it and Father, let it be a part of our lives all the, all the time. Uh, we ought to wake up every morning rejoicing in the fact that we have been saved by grace. Because were it not for grace, there'd be no salvation. There'd be no hope. And there'd be no life for those in this world. And so Father, we thank you for it. Pray that you'll speak to us in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Scripture as we look at this scripture, the, the very first thing that stands out is by grace. And, and so just simply to talk about it for a moment is the reality of the fact we all know that grace is that term. Most people talk about it as the unmerited favor of God, something that we get not because we deserve it or we merit it or that we can earn it or pay for it or do anything to get it, but rather it's something that's given to us. It's, it's God's mercy. One man has said it this way. It's the overflowing abundance of unmerited love inexhaustible in God and freely accessible through Christ. God never runs out of grace, folks. He never is sufficient. There's no one beyond the ability of God to save. There's no one so far gone that God can't reach them. There's no one so hard-hearted that God can't break their heart. There's no one so full of their own self that God can't break through it and find themselves broken before God so that they can enter into a relationship with Him. There's no one that grace can't reach and can't be a part of as we look at it by grace we are saved the Bible says and we need to understand that and, and allow that to sink into our hearts and our minds and even those of us who've been Christians for years and years and years need to just pause for a moment and think about that word grace God did that for me God picked me out, called me by name, and chose me to be his child. And by grace, not because I earned it, not because I merited it, not because I could ever do anything for it, but in spite of all that I had done, in spite of all of my sins, in spite of the fact that I would never, ever be worthy of God, he reached into my life and brought me grace through Jesus Christ and brought it to me. And the Bible says it was grace that he's getting. And he says it's by grace that we have been saved. That's an amazing statement, that we have been saved. I think we don't understand the reality of that because we don't, none of us really think that we needed to be saved. We just, you know, it's just a religious thing that we go through. Many of us have been raised in the church and we came to a point in time when we thought, you know, I, I'm a sinner, I need to be saved. That's what the scripture teaches. I confess my sin, I accept Christ as Savior and we go on about our lives as though nothing's happened and nothing's changed because that's, well, we've just always been a part of this going on. And we don't understand what it means to be saved. We don't really want to acknowledge, any of us want to acknowledge how really unworthy we are. See, there's not a person here that deserves to be saved, not one. And none of us would be were it not for the grace of God. What we need to get a hold of, see, the saved is a word that means it's, it's a drastic word. It's a word of, uh, that's in the midst of a situation in which it's the only way that we would ever have life is that if someone would grasp and save us, it's being pulled from a fire when there's no one answered. It's being pulled out of the drowning and brought back to life by the pumping of the life back into us. It's the amazing thing. It's, you see, as we look at it, what we need to understand is the Bible teaches us that all of those of us, we talked about it last week, that there's a before and a present. And the before was that we were all sinners, that we were all on our way to a condemnation that we could never be separated from and being a part of that time. And what we see as we look at this is what we need to get a hold of and understand. 
is that we, we, we could grasp for every religion. We could pray to Mary and we could pray to Allah and we could try to get involved in Nirvana and we could try to reach out to every cult and every religion and incorporate every good part that we could find from every religion and every cult that was ever found and we could incorporate them into our lives and say, I've done all these things and what we would discover is that we're still tumbling swiftly toward the gates of hell and that we're not slowing down. It's not stopping us no matter how many religions we've tried, no matter how many cults we've tried, we're not stopping, we're not slowing down, we're tumbling toward hell and nothing can stop us from going there. We look to philosophy and we try communism and socialism. We say there is no God. There's got to, it's not fair that there could only be one way to God, only one pathway to God. That's not right. There's got to be something else. I'm a moral person. I'm good. I'm better than a lot of people that I know. And we chop and we look and we're fast going faster and faster and we're still heading toward hell and nothing that we can do and nothing that we can say and no religion that we can practice and no cult that we can be a part of and no philosophy that we can claim and no morality that we can hold on. Nothing can stop us. We're going faster and faster and faster and then suddenly Christ steps in and stops that downward fall toward hell and puts himself upon a cross and says, I love you too much to let you go to hell. I'll do all that I can and he died for us. But you see, that only helps those of us who are willing to acknowledge that hell is what we deserve. We have no right to heaven. Not one person has a right to heaven. But God so loved us that he did everything he could to stop that descent, to stop us from going to that eternal judgment and to move us into a place that we're no longer on a destination to hell, but rather our destination has been changed, and we're finding ourselves on the glory road of heaven, to looking toward what God is preparing for. By grace, we have been saved. We have been saved. We have been stopped from destruction. We've been stopped from hell. We've been stopped from forever being condemned by God. We've been saved. And the word carries with it an amazing emphasis because it means I have been saved in the past. There was a point in time in my life when I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And I know that I put my faith in Him and Him alone. I put all that I have into Him and I trusted Him for the forgiveness of my sins. And He forgave me of my sins. That's, at that moment I was saved. But it also has the present tense that I'm being saved. Right now, God is continually saving me. He holds me in His hands. He's not letting anything take me away from Him. I walk in the knowledge and the assurance of the fact that not only did I have a moment in time when I trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, but I have every moment of my life, every day that I live in the realization that I am saved by the grace of God. I am being saved this very moment by the Father who loves me so very much, but it has yet a future event as well. For one day I shall be saved finally, totally, and eternally in a place called heaven where there's no more sin and there's no more death and there's no more pain and there's no more sorrow and there's no more remorse of any kind, but everything is exactly as God wants it to be. That's what it means to be saved. At one point, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And today, I'm trusting Christ every moment for my life as He saves me and keeps me through all of the things of my life, through every trial and adversity, through every victory and all the things that are going on, the ups and the downs. God is saving me and keeping me in His own harms and His own safety. And one day, He's assured me that I will stand in His presence fully, completely, totally redeemed without sin, without ever again. Separation from God and those who are in God's family and being a part of it. That's what, Jesus, that's what Paul said. It's amazing what just a few words can mean. We just let them speak to us. We just think about them for a moment. That by grace, folks, by grace, 
You and I have been saved, are being saved, and shall be saved. Because what God did for us in Jesus Christ, we are saved by grace. Not, and it's by faith, he says. And we need to be careful there. Because sometimes if we're not careful, we put our faith, our belief in faith. Faith doesn't save you. Christ saves you. And only Christ. Faith is a gift of God that allows us to believe the truth of God and accept what he did in Jesus Christ. It's God's gift to us. Even the faith that we have, even the ability to believe God's word and to accept it into our lives and to let it become real and true in our lives is a gift of God. It's that faith that he gives us, that gift of faith. But the faith is in a person. It's not in itself. It's not, see, if, we, if faith was what we had faith was our salvation, that's just another form of works. Works don't save us. Christ saves us. And only Christ. We need to get that in our heads. Only Christ saves. Period. And you can argue about it and you can dispute it and you can do all you want to do, but that's your right to be wrong. You'll always be wrong. Nothing will ever change the reality that Christ and Christ alone is the means of salvation. And we have to understand that. And the gift to believe that. And the ability to take it into our hearts. And to walk in the wonders of what it means to be a child of God. Is that understanding, that gift of faith that God's given us. So that we can trust Christ. Not by faith. But by faith that we're saved in Christ. And not by works, he said. I've said this before. And I know it's true. Because I, 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 relate to, I, I can relate to it to myself. And I see it every day in people. If we could get to heaven by works... Every one of us be patting ourselves on the back and talking about how good we are. What a great person we are. How much we've done for God. How favorable we are for God. Ain't God lucky that we're his children? Aren't, you know, I mean, just think about it. Don't, that's how we feel. God's really lucky. Because I'm his child. I accepted him. I do these things. I go to church. I teach. I preach. I sing. I tithe. I'm nice to most people part of the time. I just, I, I'm just really about the best person I've ever known. And we'd be sure to brag about it. And we'd make sure everyone knew. Oh, I know all those people had to be saved by God, what God did, but I made it. I made it on my own. That's who we are. That's the kind of people we are. We always want to take credit for what we didn't do. And we don't want to place blame for what we did do. Not by works. Not anything you and I can do that earns salvation. And folks, not anything that you and I can do can make God love us more even after we become Christians. We ought to work for God's kingdom with every ounce of strength and everything within us. That's what the rest of the scripture talks about. He saved us in order that we might be his workmanship and carry out his will and purpose upon the earth that we're to be doing, we're to be serving, we're supposed to be working, we're supposed to be doing everything that we can with every ounce of strength that we have for the purposes of God and the glory of God. That's what we're supposed to be doing as children of God. But none of that matters as far as our salvation because we can work and we can work and we can work. We can teach Sunday school for 100 years. We can preach all the sermons that could ever be possibly preached. We can sing every song that's ever been sung we can witness to every person in the world we can memorize the bible we can be baptized every week we can do all those kind of things and none of it will get us to heaven because works will not do it only grace 
But when grace comes, we want to do all those things with everything that we have for as long as we can because we're so amazed at God's grace in our life, so amazed at the unmerited favor of God, so amazed that God could love us the way that He loves us that all we want to do is say thank you, thank you, thank you, and we say thank you by the way we treat one another. Thank you by the way that we love Him and serve Him and minister in His name. Thank you by the way we give to Him those things which He so richly deserves. Thank you, God that you reached into my heart and that you saw the ugliness of my sin and you saved me anyway. You gave Christ anyway. For by grace, we have been saved. By faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. A young man, it's like a young man, I guess everybody's young in my age now, but uh, he uh, had been fleeing God and not walking with God, not, not acknowledging God in any way in his life for a long, long time. And suddenly he met Christ. And in that moment, he understood his sinfulness. And he turned to Christ and asked for him to forgive him of his sins and to become a child of God and, and to be saved. He was so excited about it and everything and he told people about it as much as he could. He got the opportunity to speak to a church. And as he gave his testimony to the church, he talked to them and he just talked about how God had saved him and all that God had done, how God had loved him. And he just kept talking about God did this and God did that and just continually referring to God and everything. Well, the man that was in charge of that particular service was a pretty legalistic guy, and he just really didn't like the idea that anyone would just give God all the credit and not talk about the fact that the part that we play in our own salvation, that there has to be something on man's part. And he, he turned to the man and he said, uh, you've talked all about God and all these kind of things, but at, before God did his part, then you have to do your part? Then you have to do something for God to be able to do that? And he said, oh, yes, yes. I ran from God as fast as my sins would carry me for 30 years. And God chased after me every one of those years and finally caught me. Running from God and sinning was my part. Being saved was God's part. Folks, that's what it's all about. God has pursued us with all that he is. See, he came to seek and to save those who were lost. He came seeking us out and pursuing us and chasing us. Some of us have run from him all of our lives. Some early caught a hold of grace and let grace get a hold of their hearts and came to know Christ maybe as a child or as a young person or as a young adult. Some have come in the later years of their lives and unfortunately some never come. They just keep running. Keep running all the way to hell. Because we are saved through Christ and Christ alone. We've talked about verse 10, or I've shared things about verse 10 in previous sermon. I'm not going to go there as we look at it, but it just reminds us that we were saved by grace in order that we might be the very creative masterpieces of God, in order that we might do the work of God in this world in which we live and make a difference for God's kingdom. Every single one of us are ministers of God's grace, ministers of reconciliation, ministers of the hope and the love of God that's extended. There is no one God doesn't love. And you and I need to understand that. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, I don't care what excuses you've made, what barriers you've let Satan put before you, 
you need to get right with Christ. Not right with the church, not right with God. You can't get right with God except through Christ. You need to get right with Christ. You need to accept him as Lord and Savior of your life. And you need to do it now because we don't know beyond this moment. And if we are Christians, if we know for sure that we have been saved by this amazing grace of God, then we need to find in our hearts the ability to rejoice in that reality, to be overwhelmed every single day. Today, God saved me, and he is saving me. What a God we have. What an amazing work of God is Christ Jesus upon the cross, his resurrection, his empowerment and life in us by the Holy Spirit, and we are his children by grace forever and forever and forever. Would you pray with me? Father, I just pray this morning that somehow that you would help us be reminded Not only of who you are, but all that you have done for us in Christ Jesus. Father, I know our world is filled with religions and daily new religions are being formed, new cults are being established. Philosophies are being renewed over and over and over and over again because no one is, can come up with something new. Satan has no creative ideas. He just takes all the stuff over and tries to somehow reshape it and rename it. But it's all the same, somehow trying to keep people in his grasp of sin. But God, all the religion in the world can't save a single person. There's not a cult that's ever brought anybody to salvation. There's not a philosophy that can ever bring a person into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Father, there's no moral, moral ability to do that. There's no financial ability to do that. There's no educational power, no governmental power, no economic power. There's nothing, nothing that can bring even one person into a right relationship with God. But there's one person. His name is Jesus. And he can bring not only one, but all who would come. Father, I pray that if there's anyone listening in, if there's anyone here that has never truly put their trust in Christ, in Christ alone for their salvation, that this would be the moment that they'd do that. They wouldn't put it off any longer. There's no excuse for it. And there's just no reason not to go ahead and put their faith in Christ. But God, I pray also for those of us who know you and live as though grace doesn't really matter. Take it for granted. Aren't continually overwhelmed by the wonder of it. That you would fill our hearts again with awe. That you'd give us a new vision, a new awareness of what grace really is all about. And how much we don't deserve it. And yet how full we are of it by your love and your mercy. Speak to us. Draw us to you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.